0: Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. So hi, Bill. It's great to have you back, as always.
1: Yeah, here we are. Here another we are again. Another podcast. <laughs>
0: great to be here. Yeah. So today I thought we would talk a little bit about Mayo Clinic Laboratories. We've received some questions from our viewers about Mayo Clinic Labs. What is it? Is it just the laboratories at Mayo Clinic? What's its mission? How many tests do you do each year? I thought we'd just start with the basics and kind of talk about Mayo Clinic Labs.
1: Yeah, Um, that's great.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, in future podcasts, we could talk about future visions as we've done as far as medicine in general. So I'll start with a basic question. What is Mayo Clinic Laboratories?
1: So Mayo Clinic Laboratories, it's the pre and post analytical services that allow us to open up our clinical laboratories in the department to specimens from the outside world for patients that haven't had the chance to visit one of our campuses, essentially, is what it is. It actually was started 50 years ago. So we're on our 50th anniversary this year. That's great. And it was started by a hematopathologist, actually, Dr. O'Sullivan was still around. He's a wonderful person. He and Lou Wallner, because everything at Mayo is physician-administrative partnership, and it was really their vision, right? And it shows the power of that vision, that what it's grown to today, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. Basically, at that time, Mayo Clinic was looking at ways that it could kind of expand its reach outside of the Rochester campus, because that was the only campus that existed 50 years ago. And it was Dr. O'Sullivan and Lou's idea to actually say, well, we should open up our laboratories. We have capacity, we have unique tests because we have unique patients, and we should open up our laboratories to some of the regional hospitals Not to do all their testing, but just to do the testing that we have here at Mayo Clinic, which they don't have in their own hospitals. He's Irish, so he's very relationship driven. (laughs) So he actually, it started with him driving actually to regional hospitals, meeting the pathologists, meeting the hospital leadership, pitching this idea to them. And then actually, sometimes he would bring the specimens in back in the trunk of his car back (laughs) to be tested. So that's where it started 50 years ago. And it was interesting. It was not called Mayo Clinic Labs. It was called Mayo Medical Labs. And that did reflect, I mean, the institution, they thought it was a good idea, but it was so different from Mayo Clinic that they weren't sure if it should be called Mayo Clinic. Maybe Mayo Clinic should only be that practice here in in Rochester. So it started from those really small beginnings. It grew quite quickly. I mean, he talks about the fact that they never went into a hospital where they were not well-received or people weren't excited to talk to them. And it's really because, of course, Mayo Clinic is seen as a leader in healthcare, And so even back then, so it really took off quickly from there.
0: It is really exciting, 50 years of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, formerly Mayo Medical Laboratories. It's something that I'm so proud to be a part of just because of our mission and how we really work with other laboratories and physicians to help support patient care. We have our mission that we really hold true to.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, especially for you, someone, our former vice chair of education, Personally, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have done pathology if I had not been at Mayo, just because it is so interactive here. You get a chance to talk to people outside all the time, consult with them when they send things in, you know, you can give them information because there's a big educational component around the individual tests and talking to the providers and sometimes even the patients about their results. Oh That's yeah. It.
0: I get calls all the time and people have my personal number and I don't mind at all. You know, it goes right to me. They don't have to go through layers of administration and And I love hearing directly from the people ordering our tests that just want to know more about it.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And the other piece of it, too, is for Mayo Clinic labs, Mayo Medical labs at the time, it's also educating the hospitals about how to best use their labs to support Mm -hmm. their patient care, as we've done here through the pandemic. So helping them to grow their laboratories, actually, it was a big part of what we did. The other real secret to Mayo Clinic labs is the founders, particularly Lou Wallner, again, the administrator, understood what made Mayo special. Mayo is very system driven. And so they wanted to make sure that if someone used Mayo Clinic Labs or Mayo Medical Labs at that time, they had the same experience as a provider on our campus. So they designed the logistics. So we have the best, lost specimen rate, and those sorts of things, the lowest by far. We also have the call center, which to your point, it actually has been named one of the top call centers, not just healthcare, but of industries of this size, companies of this size a number of times, because it's all designed around trying to turn things around quickly, answering patients and providers' questions as quickly as possible, and also making sure we get the specimens here as quickly as we can and get the answers back to patients, knowing that time is key. All those things are all baked into Mayo Medical Labs on the logistical side as well. So it's not just the labs that are doing the testing, it's the whole system is designed to really work for patients.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you've brought up a number of really important points. I think we're the largest reference laboratory in the United States that is fully integrated with a world-renowned medical hospital. And so we perform testing for all of our patients the same way, with the same high quality. I know in my laboratory, we never stop to think, oh, is this a Mayo Clinic lab patient from outside of Mayo, or is this a local patient? I mean, we put the same level of quality and emphasis of everything we do equally across all those patient specimens.
1: Yeah, you're right. And you never make any distinction. To me, they're all, they're all male. They're all patients. patients. Yeah. Honestly. Um, yeah. That's why, in fact, that I was really, I helped lead the charge to change the name from Mayo Medical Labs to Mayo Clinical Labs. I did ask Dr. O'Sullivan about that if he, if he was disappointed. He was actually really excited. Oh, good. Uh, because, you know, to me, it, oftentimes it made people feel like, well, then it's just, if it's Mayo Medical Lab, it's not Mayo Clinic, or does it somehow get treated differently? Mm-hmm. To me, it, it's Mayo Clinic's laboratories being available to patients outside of our campus, right? So uh, having it called that was important to me. And it's just, the timing was right too, because the institution was willing to look at that. And the other piece of it, to your point is, we never stop at Mayo and say, well, what's the business case for this test? I mean, we, we make create tests based on patient needs, and then we make them available to the outside because we understand there's patients outside of our walls that need them too. As if, for instance, the diseases that I'm interested in, uh, LGL leukemias are quite rare, but yet we had a practice here. We created tests to help diagnose that condition, and now, you know, we get maybe 40 or 50 a month not huge numbers, but that's 40 or 50 people that wouldn't have an answer if we hadn't created that test or that group of tests. And so that's really what the mission of Mayo, that's how that whole needs of the patient come first. I mean, doing good medicine is what we do.
0: Well, and it allows us to learn First of all, providing tests that our patients need, but then learning how to make better tests based on the needs of our patient, and then being able to provide those same tests to anyone through Mayo Clinic Laboratories. So it's a very different model than just a commercialized reference lab model, which is another thing that I've always been very proud of working here at Mayo Clinic.
1: Yeah, I know. I agree. I'm sure that you've had the same experience, because the other piece of it is that highly collaborative nature. With the people sending us the tests. We're not just, you know, we get on the phone, we talk, as you say. So I learned i I've learned a lot about these diseases from the outside by talking to clinicians and to the pathologists and others that are sending the tests, understanding what the clinical scenario is, oftentimes doing some, even writing up some of these cases, because with the volumes, you start to see things that aren't described in the literature. It is a very much a dynamic process. So what's happened over time, and I don't know that this was fully in the vision of the founders going back to the 50 year history, is that when we open these tests up. It allows us to do many more of them, which then not only makes them really available to patients that mail, right? Because it would be difficult for some of these very rare conditions to have tests available just for one or two patients a year. But now because we open to the outside, it brings in specimens. We learn collectively, with the people sending us the test about these conditions, to your point, and then we have more knowledge to share. It either drives research, translational studies for our trainees. It creates a very unique and vibrant educational experience for them that they can really learn and learn how to communicate, not just about the tests themselves. And then honestly, that's all stuff that we can then give back to the people using Mayo Clinic Labs, right? So yeah. it becomes this virtuous cycle where we're interacting with the patients on the outside, creating knowledge that we share back with our patients and with the providers and with the people using Mayo Clinic Labs, and pre-pandemic, we had over 4,000 hospital-based customers in the United States, and at that point, it's the number fluctuates a little bit, but definitely over 75 countries, so we're really a global business at this point, which is pretty astounding when you think back to Dr. O'Sullivan driving his car around, you know, Southern... <laughs> it
0: was specimens uh, in the trunk of his car,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, just so yeah, it's an interesting tidbit, we have the Mayo Clinic Health System, right, which is mm-hmm. Eau Claire, La Crosse mankato albert lee so hospitals and healthcare settings across our region the first president of the health system was actually dr o'sullivan because he he knew most of the people and he had built all these relationships and i think that spirit actually still lives in mayo clinic labs today which is something i'm i'm really proud of too Mm because i love the idea that we're part of a community and that the labs is just a conduit to create that yeah well
0: really nicely said so today then, do you uh, have an idea of how many tests we perform each year?
1: Well, it's been, it's a little bit skewed. But yeah, with many, COVID,
0: it's a little
1: but uh, I know pre-COVID, we did, 20, in 2019, we did 25 million tests. Yeah,
0: wow.
1: And so a lot. So we are the, unique in that way too. We're very highly, there's other reference labs, which are bigger, but in terms of doing almost all of it on this campus, a little bit in Arizona and Florida is very unique. Most of those 25 million tests were done here interestingly on this campus and interestingly what started is opening up our basically our excess capacity to be outside has now actually flipped so we do more testing for the outside world than we do for our own patients so it's a power it used to be it, it just crossed the 50 50 threshold i think my second or third year in this role importantly i'm still the chair of the department as well as the president of the labs because it's still to your point that same spirit of it's the same labs used to support our patients just some of them aren't on our campus
0: yeah, I think that's really important. You have a a foot in both camps, and you have that connection to our patients here, our patients everywhere. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important too because look, the pandemic—we're not—it's labs are becoming big, big business, right? And I think mm-hmm. to make sure that that business keeps in front and center. The needs of an individual person i think that the pandemic has highlighted that we need to do better in terms of access and equitability in healthcare and diagnostics are going to be a big part of that i think the other thing is if you're listening and you're in the lab this is not a time to to, to shy away it's a time to really be a, a voice about the value of labs and the importance of clinical labs in taking care of people and creating health and wellness for for the world it's a real blessing that i have that in having both roles it gives me a kind of unique perch to see both sides, right? And to make Mm -hmm. sure that we kind of keep our mission front and center.
0: Well, that's something I always bring up with my staff too, is uh, I tell them the stories as I hear them of how they're impacting patient care, not just here in Rochester, Minnesota, but all across the United States and in different countries. And I think that really gives them a lot of sense of pride in what they do, because they're helping to diagnose conditions that are life-threatening, that guide treatment, what they're doing makes a real difference in patients' lives.
1: Absolutely. And and the way that we can share that knowledge back, it's not all just sequestered here. So as we learn, we share it back with people sending us a test. So then mm-hmm. they can get smarter about t- managing their patients and understanding how to use the lab as well.
0: Yeah, this is probably one of the few places where we'll actually try to sometimes talk you out of a test. If it's not an appropriate test, I talk to providers all the time and I say, you know, this wouldn't be the appropriate test. Perhaps there'd be another test, or maybe in this situation a test isn't needed at all. Like you said, it's not the commercial aspect and the profit. It's about doing the right test for the patient.
1: Exactly. It's about doing, getting back to the well Mayo vision of that metropolitan system of medicine mm-hmm. to create. I mean, that's really, what's energizing for me is that Mayo Medical Labs, Mayo Clinic Labs now can be part of that, creating that vision, right? Because we can connect to the outside can share knowledge another big part of our business model is actually we with our hospitals that use us we actually look at the tests they send us and sometimes tell them you know you really should be doing this on your own yeah so I've uh, made some of those
0: phone calls like you know you're the only hospital that orders this test and then try to understand why they might be doing so and there may be a legitimate reason but most of the time I found that it was just you know in an order set and it's a real test utilization opportunity where they can stop ordering an unnecessary test
1: yeah Exactly. Or they're sending so much of it, it, it should be more routine. It's kind of like, we'll talk with them and say, you might, you might want to consider And we'll actually help them. Yeah. Bring your test in. Our protocols and those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a unique place. Everything that we do is designed around our mission. I think that's why it's been successful. I think that's why it's grown from the back of someone's car to, to what yeah. we today. So
0: yeah, stick to our mission. Yep. Well, uh, any closing words on Mayo Clinic laboratories or anything that we didn't cover today?
1: It's a real privilege to be in the role that I am in, just like you said, you know, for all of us that work here, I think it's a real privilege to get to work through Mayo Clinic Labs. Our field staff, it's amazing, the people that come to work with us in terms of in Mayo Clinic Labs, not just on the physician scientist side, but it's on, you know, and in the labs, but actually out there in the field, all mission aligned, all talking about the joy that it brings them when they can go into a doctor's office and, and offer them tests and knowledge around those tests that others can't. So... It's a real privilege, and I just want to say thank you personally, because it takes the leadership of people like you to make it real, and just to thank the people that use Mayo Clinic Labs, because it really is part of that family, if you will, and the whole community of lab medicine. So that's kind of where I'm, that, that's my closing thought.
0: Well, thank you, Val. Thanks for sharing those incredible stories and the history of Mayo Clinic Labs with all of us. So we'll, uh, we'll talk more, of course, in uh, future weeks and, and start looking ahead, too, of what Mayo Clinic Laboratory's vision is in uh, the coming months to the coming years.
1: Look forward to it. The future is bright, but it's certainly not certain. So it'll be fun to discuss.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.